Over the um, Christmas break, I went to a movie, and I always go down to Lincolnshire, because if I go here at the, the one nearby, everybody will know what movie I'm going to. <laughs> down there, nobody knows me, so it's uh, much easier. Uh, but the one I went to was one called A Hidden Life, and it was uh, by a, a, movie, a, a movie producer called Terence Malick. And it is, it, is, uh, it is a very beautiful movie, very beautiful. It's made in the situated in the 1940s in the Austrian Alps, about a young man, a young farmer, with his wife and his three kids. And they're living a rural life, and it shows you the life they live. It is simple, it's hardworking, simple. They live in a lovely village, people are friendly, and kind to each other, and, um, it's, it, and the scenery is, is nothing short of spectacular. It really is just spectacularly beautiful. Then, unfortunately, World War II begins, and uh, everybody in Austria then are conscripted. They have to go and do basic training, and then they're released, and they're sent back and they needed food, so the farmers were, were untouched. Um, as the war progressed, I think it was 1942 or 43, um, he was re-enlisted. And that's when we come to, you could say, the, the heart of the movie. Because they're all lined up, standing like this to attention, and then they have to raise their hands, and they have to swear allegiance, to Hitler. So everybody does it, and uh, he, puts, he puts his hands up, and as they're telling them what to say, he drops his hand. And then the story takes off in a new direction. He, uh, he's arrested, he's put in jail, um, he, he has, prior to this, he is talking to a priest and to a bishop, um, there was fear among them, uh, was he doing the right thing? Should he compromise? What difference does it make? Just say you, you swear allegiance to Hitler and become a paramedic. You don't have to kill anyone. But he stuck with his principle throughout the whole thing. And it is uh, the village then get involved. You're bringing shame on our village. Then some villagers won't let their kids play with his kids. And then his wife is verbally abused, and some people even throw like apples or something at her to show their disgust for her. It is, and the whole thing is interspersed in a, with a narrative, and, and you can hear scripture all through the whole thing. But um, there's one stage when he gets in front of a general, a German uh, judge and general, and he says, he gets so angry with him because by your refusal, he said, to swear allegiance to Hitler, you're judging us, he said. And, and ultimately, that's what the story was about. He was, and, and where the director wants this movie to go is to kind of see where is God in a time of turbulence, a time of, of great you know, anxiety, a time of kind of, you could say, as if there's like, something has overtaken the people at that time. And it's also a question that um, K 
can happen to any of us when we go through a very dark time or a difficult time in our lives. We can say to ourselves, where is God in all of this? Where is, where is love? Where is peace? Where is respect? Where is God's plan in all of this? And that's a question that was on the mind of the people at the time when Christ was living and before he began his ministry. And the answer we get is in the gospel of today. Where is God in all of this? So God is in the call that John the Baptist received from God to leave his family, which were a rural priestly family, to leave what they were doing and to go into the desert. And in the desert, as the prophet Isaiah tells us, is where in the isolation and loneliness, you can most clearly hear the word of God. So God took John the Baptist and invited him in God's way, moved him by the Spirit to go into the desert. And once he is in the desert, he gets rid of his clothes and he, wear, he dresses in camel skin and he, dress, and he eats of the land can provide him in the desert. So this, this recaptures a huge moment in the life of God's people. And that is their exodus, when God led them out of Egypt towards the promised land. So this, he brings this alive, and then he begins his ministry. And he begins his ministry in a place called Perea, where it was the last place in the wilderness that Joshua led the people across the River Jordan into the Promised Land. So what he does is he roars in the desert at people about how terrible their life is, how far away it is from God's plan. And he calls people back into the desert to come back to rediscover their identity of who they are to rediscover that they are God's chosen people and that God led them out of slavery through the desert into the promised land so that they would live in such a way together that everybody would know the nature of who God is. And that's what he invites them back. Jesus would have heard about John the Baptist and would have heard this. And then that is why you can take as a historical fact that Jesus was baptized by John in the River Jordan, that it actually did happen. And then Jesus becomes a disciple of John for a short time. And he himself goes into the desert because when he was baptized, Jesus had a very, um, a very intimate spiritual moment, as we heard in the scriptures, that the heavens opened and the Spirit hovered over him. Do you know when at the beginning of creation, the Spirit hovered over the waters and the Spirit hovered over Jesus and spoke to him and said, you are my beloved child, in you I am well pleased. And that's an incredibly profound moment uh, in the life of Christ and in our salvation history. It is the beginning of a new creation. Now, Jesus goes into the desert and he grapples with the evil one to try and discern what is this all about. And that is uh, something that we should grapple with as well. 
because sin, injustice, uh, racism, all the bad things that exist in life, that can invade us like a virus. All of those bad things, suffering, all those bad things can invade us like a virus and give us an identity that is not of God. And if it's very traumatic for us, it can, it can guilt can give us an identity that is not of God. Even worse, resentment can give us an identity that is not of God. In societies in which people live, society can give people an identity that is not of God. And what the gospel is telling us today, and what the revelation is, is that irrespective of what you think of yourself, irrespective of what other people think of you, your identity is given. And your identity is you are God's beloved child with whom God is well pleased. You are beloved. And that is the truth of you and of every human being you meet in this life. And that's a very profound statement. I would go so far as to say, if this became a reality, it would be the biggest revolution that could ever happen in the world. If everybody came to live out of their belovedness, and out of that belovedness, their agency would be relating to other people in their belovedness as well, it would change the world completely and forever. And that is what John the Baptist wanted to start. That was the movement he wanted to start. That was the way Jesus was talking about. I am the way and the truth and the life. That everybody would enter into the truth of their belovedness and stay there. And then relate to other people in their belovedness as well. However, it is very difficult to stay in belovedness. That is why we need companions on the journey. That is why John the Baptist formed a community of disciples around him. That is why Jesus started a community of disciples around him as well. The whole reason for you coming here today is supposed to be that everybody here will be assisting you in your belovedness. Now we know we are not there yet, but it's through your interaction with people here, whatever that interaction may be, is supposed to be sustaining you and maintaining you in your belovedness. That is what the whole meaning of a church is. So as we celebrate the baptism of the Lord, remember that the Spirit hovered over Jesus when God spoke. And that is a new creation is coming about. And we are called to be people who make that a reality in everywhere we exist. The world is to be transformed. John Paul put it very beautifully that all of us are called to create a civilization of love, a civilization where uh, that power of evil does not have the power to oppress and divide people, but a civilization where there is a profound respect for every human being in the world in which we live in.
So let us always remember that we are God's beloved children in whom God is well pleased. And even more importantly, if you know somebody who is not living out of that identity, that you will remind them through your words and through your actions that they are God's beloved child in whom God is well pleased.